0: Hello and welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today is always your most Evan Siderenko, my co-host, Brandon Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at e You You follow Brendan on Twitter at Brandon Clean fourteen. Also make sure make sure you follow our Locked On Suns Twitter page if you are already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your support is very, very much appreciated. As always, we're joining you guys today right after the final buzzer of the game between the Suns and the Toronto Raptors, the Kawhi Leonardless Toronto Raptors, I should say, because he didn't play tonight. They closely close. Contested loss by the Suns tonight, 111-109. Pascal out Siakam, got him with a the buzzer there, with just as time expired. Great comeback by the Suns in this one. They were down early in the first quarter by double digits, but really the rest of the game, the Suns were toe-to-toe with the Raptors, and then right at the end there, it kind of slipped out of their hands.
1: Yeah, it was a, a good one to see, I think. I mean, we, we, we've talked all, all season, really, about how inconsistent the Suns have been, especially as they've rounded into form since mid-December, there it's kind of one game you see it, one game you don't. We knew this road trip would be super tough. I think we both expected this game to be the most difficult, the most challenging of all. It was nice, obviously, on the Suns' side to not have to face Kawhi Leonard, but this team, the Raptors, I mean, their, their strength is their depth, so they're no uh, rollover, even if they don't have their best players. So we saw that tonight, and I uh, got to see, I mean, the Raptors had a lot of different guys make plays down the stretch, and I think that was kind of the the real deciding factor is Devin Booker was up to his his best really. And, you know, DeAndre Ayton had a solid second half or a solid first half, but it was just kind of that that difference in depth really showed up. And I think we'll get into it in our flagrant foul, but there were a few specific guys you hope would have provided a little more on a night when they really had a chance to win this one.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. And first off, let's get into our our free throws here. And I'll start off first with the guy you just mentioned there, Devin Booker. who had 30 points, eight assists. He also chipped in two rebounds, 10-21 from the field, four of nine on threes, six of nine from the free throw line. This is slowly but surely kind of Booker figuring things out as far as having the score officially in the NBA. We saw it earlier this month when he was healthy against guys like Philadelphia, for example, where he racked up free throws. Did the same thing tonight. Also, is getting a lot better as far as catch-and-shoot opportunities. At least it seems like the point guards, even though the point guards were kind of horrendous tonight as far as playmaking and scoring goes, both those guys kind of helped him early on in the game get some catch-and-shoot opportunities. But from there – it was kind of Booker all by himself, and Booker kind of did most of the work by himself in a good way. He was plus two on the night, in the plus minus category as well. And it was kind of vintage Booker tonight, and that was really what the Suns need to even stay in this game. Yeah, I think it was. It was um, especially in the second half, the third
1: quarter. He really kind of took it over for them, and think. And then you saw it again when he checked back in in the fourth quarter. He just felt like he didn't want to lose this one. He felt good. I feel like kind of felt, looked more spry, felt better. I mean, we'll hear, I guess, after the game um, from the reporters over there if he says anything to that extent. But to me, it did look like he was um, back to normal as far as health goes, looked kind of like that game against uh, Dallas when he returned from the hamstring reaggravation in December. So I think if, if he's playing like this, they're going to be in every game. And it was just a few, few moments down the stretch, a few guys not playing – as well as we expect. And and that's kind of the difference when you're playing against one of the very best teams in the league, you don't have a lot of margin for error, but Booker did just about everything you could possibly expect. He was almost to his, uh, I mean, if he gets to 30 and 10, I feel like they have to win. So I guess he he wasn't quite there. Maybe that's why they didn't win, but
0: um, he he turned in a, a really great performance. It seemed like his rhythm was back, especially with the team. And you look at his field goal attempts, 21 T.J. Warren, Kelly Uber, the only, uh, only other guys taking at least 10 field goal attempts. How do you feel like the balance was tonight between Booker and the rest of the guys as far as shot distribution goes?
1: I think it was, I mean, for all, all things considered, I mean, I, don't, I didn't really feel like Booker was hijacking the offense in any sort of detrimental way. And I think the eight assists clearly help. I mean, early in the game, he was looking to score and then obviously late in the game he was looking to score, but I, he, he only had, I don't think he had a single assist at halftime. So no, yeah. So I mean to get to eight just in the second half on top of all the points he scored, I think it was a pretty balanced performance from him. I mean, not to uh, show my cards, but TJ Warren's a guy I'm going to hit as my flagrant foul, especially he had two possessions late in the game when the sun's already had a lead that he, he actually really went out of the, out of the offense to try to score and it didn't work. So I think Booker did about all he could and it like I keep saying it was the other guys I think that that really didn't uh, step up.
0: Yeah, Booker had a great game tonight. So what was your first free throw?
1: Mine was Kelly Oubre. I think uh talk about shot attempts and trying to make an impact when it's not going in and that's exactly what happened for him tonight. 3 of 15 from the field but still got got up to 18 points. So that that took 13 free throw attempts made 11 of them recovered from his weird night at the line uh, against the Pacers one of six on Tuesday if I remember correctly Um, five offensive rebounds and I think defensively too his impact was was pretty clear Uh, Toronto poses some challenges I, I I don't remember who put it this way it's kind of uh, pretty obvious when you watch them, but just they can play small without actually being small players. You don't have to put five short people on the court together. They can put uh, really versatile lineups on the court pretty much every minute of the game. And Ubre being able to contain those guys, I mean, he was defending Fred Van Vliet in the fourth quarter in crunch time. And I think his ability to get to the line, attack the rim, but also kind of balance those pretty crazy Toronto lineups that they're able to put out there it was a big reason the Suns were close in this one.
0: I feel like this team's desperately missed a guy like Aubrey as far as attacking and aggressiveness goes because I think he's been close to like seven or eight free throw attempts per game over his past five games and it's kind of just a missing green this team doesn't have outside of Devin Booker because with with Deandre still developing, obviously Mikhail bridge is still developing, TJ worms really doesn't get much respect at the free throw line. Because he didn't get a free throw attempt tonight, you know. I think he should have had a couple himself, but really outside Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre has been that other guy who gets the free throw line for this team. That's been huge for them,
1: yeah. I think it's what you, I mean, kind of what you would have hoped Jackson would have turned into this year in his second season, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the guy that's just going to come in in the second unit, attack the rim, play aggressive. I mean, Jackson does that, but he just can't finish. That's the difference with Oubre. Maybe it's the extra years that he's been been in the league and.
0: Whatever else, or you know, maybe it's just scoring talent. Obviously, Ubre has that. Yeah, Ubre had a. Even though it didn't really show it, as far in the in the box score goes three of fifteen from the field. Still, his shots kind of gone cold the past few games. He contributed like we talked about there in the box score, the free throw attempts and the rebounds. Really attacked the glass tonight, five offensive rebounds as well, which is a good sign move forward for Kelly Ubre. But for my second free throw, it's actually going to be Mikhail Bridges who had zero points at halftime. But he ended with 15.6 rebounds, four assists, one block. He also had zero turnovers those four assists and a plus five in the plus minus category. What do you think about Mikael Burgers tonight? Because I saw your tweet before the end of the game there. It was a critical stop in the fourth quarter, about two or three minutes left. And I, I believe, I forget what your tweet exactly said, but you pretty much said that's why you have Mikael Burgers out there for and why he's starting with these hustle plays and his length and his energy. Without him in the second half, Brandon, this game's a blowout loss for the Suns. Yeah, I think it really
1: is. Uh, the play I, I tweeted that after was the rebound that he had uh, kind of grabbed the rebound and got fouled all at one time. The Suns were already in the bonus. Serge Ibaka fouled him along the baseline and he got to the free throw line. That was to tie it at 109. Obviously, Siakam uh, hit that layup at the buzzer to to put him up 111, 109 to win it. But uh, of all the guys you would expect to be taking the key free throws in a game, I don't know if you would pick Bridges, but I think that was a, uh, kind of the story of his game tonight. I'm a little more aggressive, took a few more shots than you'd expect. I think he had uh, six or eight points in, the, in just the fourth quarter too. So um, had a little nice turnaround mid-range jumper, had a corner, it looked like a three, they called it a two. Um, then those free throws, maybe another shot I'm missing. So just a, a really, he was he was mine too. So, I mean, we should mention DeAndre Ayton, big rebounding night, big scoring night from in the first half uh, but got attacked a little bit in the fourth quarter defensively. So he, he wasn't mine bridges was mine. So we can just talk about him. I mean, it's a nice, you know, kind of like Uber to see him make an impact on the game four assists as well. Like you said, without actually, you know, only one of four from three, the, the ways you would have expected bridges to impact this one. It wasn't really the story of his game, but he made clutch shots and, and the defense on Lowry at the end was pretty uh, as good as you could hope too. I mean, not an ideal fit. I don't think Bridge is defending point guards like that, but uh, he held up pretty well, I thought.
0: It's been about a month since the Trevor Ariza trade at this point, and I feel pretty confident saying Mikhail is going to be better than Trevor Ariza was in the Ariza role within this offense for Igor because he's had a lot of these nights now where he has like three or four assists to zero turnovers over the past month, and I feel like he's going to be a guy in his prime, which could be actually pretty soon without how much older he is compared to the other guys mm-hmm. in the core, about two years older where he's going to be averaging about maybe three or four assists a night and be like that Ariza guy that we saw earlier in the season that was a spark plug defensively, but also made... I mean, he was obviously coached in Villanova for a reason, but one of the smarter players as far as when the ball is actually in his hands.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it shows up pretty easily. They have him come through the middle of the paint on screens or kind of on pin downs in a lot of different sets just to have some action on the weak side and bridges you know he caught it a couple times in awkward positions that that jumper from about the free throw line that I talked about in the fourth quarter that was a I don't know expecting the ball there it was I don't know about four or five minutes left in the game when he when he did that one for people who are trying to remember and kind of caught it in the middle of his cut and and just turned around and, and it went right in so I think he we've been talking about it all year he he could be be used even more and I think still maintain pretty good efficiency he's just such a smart and and you know versatile player.
0: Yeah, I hope here soon in the second half of the season that we see more aggressive McHale Burgess because I think he's a guy if he takes like 10 like 8 to 10 shots a game moving forward, he could be a guy or just at least 15 points a game in my opinion with how smart he plays the game. But what is um before we go into our second segment here, I want to tell you guys really quickly about our Locked On NBA Twitter account. If you're not already doing so, go and follow at Locked On NBA Net. It's one of the more valuable resources out there on NBA Twitter. You have not only our Twitter account synced on there for our Phoenix Suns coverage. You guys enjoy. But we also have all 30 NBA teams covered for you. Like guys like David Locke in Utah, John Carouse in Boston, Adam Marez and. In- And Denver, for example, that's just a three out of 30 teams we have all covered for you, mostly credential too. So it's really exciting to see the growth process with this network. I'm glad you guys have been along for the ride here on Lockdown Network. So if you're not already doing so, please go follow at Net on Twitter. I want to
1: also tell you guys about the best new way to save you money. If you're buying or selling a house this year and you're wondering what you're going to do with all of the money and hassle you're going to have to pour into it, I have the perfect answer for you. That is Homie. You've heard about them quite a bit on our show already. And we're really excited about what they are bringing here to Phoenix. You've probably seen their billboards all around town. And it really does make a difference to go through these guys. You'll save on average over $10,000 if you decide to go with Homie to buy or sell your house. These guys sell any priced home for the same low cost of just $199 to list and just $1,299 at close. They recently sold a million-dollar house in record time, saving that homeowner over $60,000 in commission. You can also qualify, if you choose to go through Homey, for a $5,000 buyer refund. So these guys' main agenda is to help you with saving money. That's their main goal here, and that's really what they aim to do. They tell you their motto is, we've got your back. And as you can see, they really mean that. What we're going to do at Locked on Phoenix Suns to get you an even better deal is an extra $100 off that listing fee. So it'll be just $99 to list your house at Homey by calling a phone number this time, not a coupon code, not a promo code. To get $100 off your listing fee, you're going to call 602-892-3335. Again, that's 602-892-3335 to list your house at homey for just $99. All right. I'll start us off with the flagrant fouls here as I kind of tip my hat, tip my hand a little bit with the last segment and it's CJ Warren. Um, I just think five of 16, he's really been in a cold slump recently looks just uncomfortable and it's kind of crazy. I mean um, it's not a guy we've we've really ever said that about. I think no matter what, he obviously has his weaknesses. He, He needs to continue to build his game, but I don't think I've ever really seen a stretch from him where he just looks out of sync, out of rhythm, can't get, can't hit a shot. And, um, it's not just threes, you know, five of 16, he's only one of four from three. So I mentioned those two possessions with about two minutes left. He, I think it was back to back possessions. He tried to drive baseline. It ended up in a Booker three, which was good, but he almost lost the ball. And then he hit, uh, he took a really just a deep, no chance three, the, pos- the next possession and, uh, both, you know, near, near turnovers, he missed the three. So I just think, you know, with every, with everything else going so well from Bridges to Booker in that fourth quarter, um, him just being a spacing threat was probably the best plan there. And he tried to take things over. And I think, you know, quietly, probably a a decent chunk of the reason that they fell apart in the fourth quarter and gave up that lead.
0: Yeah. Especially I'm starting to really notice really since the Kelly Oubre trade now, the limitations of TJ Warren alongside DeAndre Ayton because I saw multiple times tonight where Ayton was open and Aiden, or TJ refused to give him the ball probably just because he wanted to get his own and he thought it was a better shot, which I don't blame TJ is one of the better shot creators as far as tough shots in the league goes. But this, I don't want to make this more of a long-term question, Brendan, but like once you see another game like this time for TJ Warren, played 41 minutes, by the way, which led the team, 5-16 from the field, 1-4 of on threes, 11 points total. He only had one offensive rebound too, but he's also stretching, like you said, for space purposes there. I wrote the story on Brett at the sun that was published yesterday, but what were your thoughts on just the long term ramifications of TJ Warren alongside not only Aiton but the rest of this roster? And maybe he's the best trade you move for because ever since the Kelly Uber trade, I've really noticed him really out of sync with the rest of the guys since the ubery trade.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, you know, necessarily know why. It is an interesting kind of has uber has gone up, Warren's kind of gone down? I don't really know if that's related necessarily because I, I think ideally like Oubre is more of a of a floor spacer and transition attacker. I mean, they both play similar roles, but I don't feel like that's an overlap that you can't find a balance with on the court. I feel like both of those guys could, could play together and be successful together. But I just think, you know, something about Warren – It's just, it doesn't work. And I don't think he's comfortable spacing the floor. I think he's a guy who really feeds off of his own, um, you know, just getting isolation scoring touches, whether that's in transition, whether that's, you know, a quick jumper here and there. There's ways to get him integrated, but I do think if he's not scoring, he's not really in a good place. He's not in rhythm. He doesn't feel comfortable within the team. So we saw that a little bit tonight. We saw it in the fourth quarter. Um, he did he did strip Pascal Siakam the a couple possessions before the end of the game and I thought that was pretty impressive. He wasn't on the court or he wasn't on the on Siakam in that last possession. That was Bridges and and Aiton rotating over. Warren was off the ball there. But um, two steals, two blocks. He does continue to make an impact, getting steals. One of the other guys on this team that's been doing that, but just uh, that that type of scoring. He's supposed to be the second option on this team and he really hasn't been doing that for a
0: while. Yeah, I agree with you right in stride. And thinking more about I know you've been pushing us the locked on Twitter account as well, but I think we're both in the start Kelly Oubre camp now, especially with this slump from TJ Warren. I think that's the smarter idea. I don't know when it should happen, but I think sometime soon it should really happen because you see just the, the lack of chemistry, not chemistry, but just out of sync that TJ Warren's been recently. I think maybe a move to the bench might help him best there. But for my for my free throw or and foul, excuse me, it's going to be the point guards overall, D'Anthony Mellon and Elvia Cobo, who, by the way, only had – Mellon had two assists to zero turnovers, which, which wasn't bad, but he had four fouls in 16 minutes. Elvia Cobo had zero assists and a turnover. By the way, also, 18 assists for the Suns totaled the night to 17 turnovers, almost doubled up in assists from the Toronto Raptors who had 28, and they also had only – 15 turnovers as well. So if you look at that, Brendan, it just says to me that I hope that James Jones doesn't sit on his hands at the deadline, because especially with Deandre who I want to trust me, he's not a flagrant foul tonight, but he's like a small flagrant foul, in my opinion, because he wasn't a serve enough to get the ball in the second half, but six of eight free six of eight field goal attempts didn't take a single shot in the second half. But I think most of these issues are from the point guard play. And you can see it now barely played Melton and a in the second half of that game. And I think, if you're James Jones, this is kind of the game where you say even a small acquisition of the deadline, I, I think D'Anthony Mellon is doing really well defensively, might be a good second unit cog, But I think that we're getting closer to that time where I think maybe it's a stopgap option at point guard, like a Patrick Beverly or something like that, the trade deadline might make some sense for this team just for, for more playmaking and more balance reasons.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we, I think we're obviously on the same page. I don't really know if there's anyone at this point who disagrees. It's, it's not like nights like this where it, it really stands out. I mean, uh akobo, I've been pretty happy with his spot up shooting. It feels like he's made just about every catch and shoot three he's taken the past couple of weeks when with uh, Jamal Crawford being out of the lineup. But I think um the, the trade thing is for sure, obviously, you know, we'll keep talking about it till it happens because it's, it is such a big part of what's holding this team back. But um, I think people should go too. I mean, it's not just us. Like, I don't, you know, I I know a lot of listeners agree with us, but Kevin Arnovitz went on Bickley and Murata today. I don't know if you can find it, but um, try to go check out that they have a podcast version of their show, or I think they wrote it up on the website too. He just went on a complete rant about what kind of i think i used the word malpractice yesterday or the day before and he was even more aggressive than that so um it's it is really a problem it's not just you know something where we watch this team every day and we notice these small little areas where it could help i think it, it's obvious i have a quick question though before we go to the second segment or yeah. the last segment do you think crawford plays again this year I really, at this point, why why would he? I mean, I just I mean, don't know why he's not playing now. So I'm wondering why, if he's not playing now, why is he not? Why would he play again the rest of the year?
0: They're saying it's a quote unquote sword left knee, but I don't really think that's it because he was just fine a couple of days ago. I mean, no, maybe, there
1: was like a, a game where he was a healthy scratch, and then all of a sudden it was an injury. Like I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe deadline. I mean, maybe a title team wants him, but I don't know. I just don't see at this point with a Kobo and Melton especially with um troy troy down's actually getting game minutes tonight, but his emergence too whenever he gets minutes, I just don't see how there's any playing time for Crawford and when you saw in the past few games, he really kind of hijacked the offense himself yeah he's he's uh his he's like a, a roller coaster
1: ride it's hot, very high highs and very low lows with him. I think that's just kind of the reality at this point in his career, but I just thought it was interesting kind of he just stopped playing all of a sudden and the, you know there there wasn't a big moment where oh he got injured here it's just soreness it feels like a kind of thing where maybe he's just uh going to be around for vet purposes for the rest of the season but before we go on to our last segment give you guys a couple numbers to walk away with from this close two-point loss in toronto i want to tell you guys about the locked on nba show it's uh rounding into form as good as it's ever been i've been really like really loving these these hosts listening to it almost every day myself I know we tell you about it every day, but it is an amazing source of content from, I think, yesterday's episode. The one that went up this morning was Ben Goliver and David Locke. Um, excellent commentary anytime Ben Goliver, Sam Amick are on the show. Ben Goliver, of course, just took over the Washington Post job. So it's it's national analysis, it's local experts, it's fantasy basketball kind of Leaning on Monday and and a whole bunch of different voices throughout the week. So go check out what they're doing. Subscribe to Locked On NBA and uh, enjoy the show. righty. I will start us off again here with the stat to watch. It was going to be Booker's three point shooting, but he, he made a couple late, so it, it didn't end up being a, another trend tonight. But I, I think the one that I, I really feel like tells the story tonight is is eighteen. It's the number of assists the Suns had. the One you pointed out in the last segment. I just think. Um, this team at its best when they're playing defense, which I think for the most part, they did, they kind of brought that tonight, but the ball also needs to be moving. And it really wasn't, whether that's Warren, whether that's Aiton, you know, Booker had eight assists, maybe some of that blame falls on him too. I don't know. But when the, when the ball's not moving, I just, you see it like 109 points. This, this team's already going to struggle to score and, uh, they need to, be finding the very best shot on every possession and, and 18 assists, especially when you compare it to those 17 turnovers, just not a great night as far as the ball movement goes. And Igor, you know, I think he would admit
0: too, if if that's not happening, his system's not going to work. Yeah, I feel like the ball was sticking a little bit too much to guys tonight. TJ Warren really had a lot of hero shots. Booker as well, even though he had a great game in the second half. Kelly yeah, six great,
1: turnovers for Book, too.
0: Yeah, six, ter- six turnovers. And I think most of that was in the first half, actually. But I feel like he really cleaned up in the second half. But also Kelly Oubre, he kind of took over a little bit and took his own shots, too. So you hope, hope the ball doesn't stick too much. I think it's just back-to-back games now where it kind of has and you hope the next game in Charlotte that that kind of cools down a little bit. But for my stat to watch, it's actually a simple number here. It's not on the box score or anything. It's the second half touches for DeAndre Aiden. Excuse me, not touches, but shot attempts, like I hinted at in the second segment there. Zero, which is my stat to watch. I just want to ask you point blank, Brendan. Why does DeAndre Aiden after the first half he had, I believe he had 12 or 13 points, nine rebounds, two steals and a block on six of eight field goal attempts in the first half second half of that game gets not even barely any touches doesn't even take a single shot in that game why is that i yeah, i
1: do not know i i don't have an answer i think it's one you know his answer would probably be that you know he's he's focusing on defense he has that rebound uh number 19 stuck up on his in his locker he got almost there today, um, 17 of those, seven offensive rebounds. I mean, if he's doing that, I think that obviously is one way he's going to impact. I don't know how many offensive rebounds he had at the beginning of the uh, after the first half, but I think that would be his answer. is His focus is defense, rebounding, putting his teammates in position to succeed. Um, I don't think we or I agree that that should always be his focus, but not only uh, should it maybe not be his focus, but it's not as if he was – uh, excelling in that aspect of the game either and I think that's where it really becomes obvious if this was you know Rudy Gobert in his rookie season where you're just sitting there appalled at how good of a defensive prospect this guy's turning into it's one thing but I think Aiton's Aiton's value really is on offense and so when the defense isn't there we know that's not going to be there every night then you would expect at least that the ball is going to be going in the hoop pretty consistently, and. It just doesn't seem like if, uh, if he kind of gets lost in that in-between, it, it turns really bad really quickly.
0: Do you feel like the lack of a point guard like Dan Bickley also mentioned on, like you mentioned Bickley and Murata earlier and in his column yesterday, that really maybe Aiton's the guy most impacted by no point guard, at least a starting caliber one, because most of his shots are assisted and really what he can't really create for himself for now. I mean, we've seen instances here and there, of some flashes, but mostly is a back to the basket guy or a pick and pop guy who needs a point guard. And I feel like on these nights, especially where the point guard plays so abysmal, that shows up even more.
1: I think, uh, yeah, I, I think definitely it, it plays a part. Although, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't think this isn't summer league where they're struggling to get him at the ball. It's not a, a situation where he's literally not touching it. It's, you know he's touching it in and passing it off right away there was one play i think it was in the fourth quarter but i i cannot remember when it was it wasn't really consequential but uh, it was in kind of semi transition he had a, a pretty good post position early in the shot clock right at the circle caught the ball and passed it back out to the corner without it was like one of those Wendell Carter clips that that have been going around of him just not even looking at the hoop it felt like that. He he had the ball. I think it was Pascal Siakam on him, who he has you know pretty good size on, and he just threw it right out to the corner. It wasn't even an open shooter. The ball just kind of reset, and the possession started over, and the opportunity <laughs> was ruined. So it's it's little moments like that where you're you're just like if if you're not going
0: to shoot it then then I don't know when you will. Yeah, good point you bring up there, and I guess um, Aiden did have a good game by the way. Plus five in the plus minus category was up near the top for the team, actually tied for first with Mikhail Bridges. But you just hope one he's more aggressive, and second off the point guards and everyone else feeds him better and more often and consistently. But anything else you want to hit on as far as today's podcast? 1-11-1, That was the final score, and another loss for the Suns. From now eleven and thirty five on the season.
1: No, it'll be another winnable game against Charlotte, and I think uh, if they can keep the if the consistency can come back, if they can string together games where they play well in a row, I, I really think they could come out with a victory. But as we've learned,
0: it's it's nothing. Uh, nothing is assumed at this point for the suns yeah like i said 11 35 in the season now for the phoenix suns checking tankathon.com right here at this moment they are in a three-way tie for second in the lottery standings behind cleveland with chicago and new york they are both all all three of them are a game and a half behind cleveland for the number one spot in the reverse standings but that will do for today's episode guys appreciate you all listening in and we'll be back with you guys tomorrow for our friday episode